Hey friends, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my amazing wife, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests and we try to bring each other into our hobbies through the latest news in both books and sports. And today is the book episode. I feel like our break was forever and like two seconds long. At the same time? Yes. Interesting. Time is irrelevant as we learned in 2020. Yeah. The first thing that happened during our break kind of irritates me when it happened because it's like we recorded our episode and five minutes later this thing got posted. Freaking Netflix. So the Shadow and Bone series dropped the first teaser trailer during our break and the teaser finally put a date on it. So coming out in April 2021, which is not that far away. It's not. It's like right around the corner. That's exciting. The question becomes, do I force you to read the series and then we watch it? I don't know, but it's been discussed, so... It's also difficult to decide because technically there are going to be people and things happening from Six of Crows in this show, but you have to read, like, five books to get there, so maybe not. It just irritated me that it dropped right after we recorded our last book episode of the season. Yeah. And also happening during our break, Julie Burchill had a book coming out called Welcome to the Woke Trials, which was about cancel cultural and all that sort of thing. That book has been canceled. (laughs) Originally, the book was set to publish in April of 2021, but after the author made some Islamophobic comments, the book won't be coming out, which is irony in its purest form. Right. A comment from the publisher Little Brown While there is no legal definition of hate speech in the UK, we believe that Julie's comments on Islam are not defensible from a moral or intellectual standpoint. They crossed a line with regard to race and religion, and her book has now become inextricably linked with those views. Hmm. So she got cancelled on her cancelled culture book. Good. That's irony in the greatest sense, and I'm glad it happened. Yes. Disney Plus picked up Megan Wallen Turner's novel The Thief for adaptation. The Thief is the first book in a YA series that came out in 1996, so a decent amount of time ago. The Queen's Thief series follows a boy named Jen who, upon his release from prison for stealing the king's seal, is recruited by a magus to steal a precious stone. Jim Whitaker, who has worked on other Disney things such as A Wrinkle in Time and Pete's Dragon will be producing, while Brian Duffield will be writing the adaptation. I wouldn't say this is like a classic for the genre, but like it's old enough that it's like, I Borderline. guess I guess now's the time for this. It's almost a quarter of a century old. So it's like in that gray area where it's like, ah, this could be a thing we should do. So we'll see how that goes. I'm sure there are some outdated things that are going to have to be changed and adapted. Yeah. Also, you have Elizabeth Acevedo's Clap When You Land becoming a series. This book made a ton of favorites list from 2020. The book came out in May. And Bruna Papandra's made-up stories has acquired the rights to the book. The story is about two teenage sisters who know nothing about each other because their father is living a double life. Hmm. When he dies in a plane accident, all the secrets come out. It sounds interesting. I think it was written as a poetry book, but it tells a full story, so that's interesting. I'm not a huge poetry fan, though, so that's why I haven't read it, but it's supposed to be really hard-hitting and a really good book. 
And actually, the author is going to be writing the pilot and be an executive producer for the show. She'll have her hands in it, so hopefully they don't mess it up too bad. So it'll be accurate, hopefully, to some extent. True to the book, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. But they don't have any other news at this point. Since it's just being written, the stuff for the show kind of makes sense. Yeah, they haven't actually written it yet. Yeah. The screenplay. And... This is a quick note for people who, like me, might use NetGalley for advanced reader copies of books. NetGalley announced that they were hacked on the 23rd. NetGalley is a site where professional readers like librarians, reviewers, and booksellers can request, read, and recommend books before they're published. And the information that could have been taken by the hackers are the user's profile information, username, password, name, email address, mailing address, birthday, company name, and Kindle email address. So those are all things that could have been taken. So basically, if you use the same password as you do on NetGalley, you should change all your passwords for safety reasons. Probably a good idea. Yeah. And so the next time you go to NetGalley, it forces you to change your password. Yeah. So... Because if they have your email and your password information and you utilize the same things, you would be so easy to ruin the life of very quickly. Well, and like some people include their address on the profile just for publishers to use and stuff like that. And it's like, yikes, that could be real ugly. Yeah, they would probably just sell it for like advertising. That could be it, but you don't know. Yeah. Also, even if that is it, that's kind of crappy. Yeah. So, F. Scott Fitzgerald's classic novel, The Great Gatsby, will be entering the public domain in January of 2021. Mm. Now, it's been more than 75 years that this book has been out, but it got an extended period of being copywritten because there was an extension put on in 98. Mm. So, it's just now entering the public domain in January of this year. So what we're saying is Gatsby TV shows and movies coming from every which well, direction we can look? It basically means that the book, the characters, the story, anything in between is now open to interpretation, adaptation, use by the public. So you could see in the coming years retellings, more movie or show adaptations, plays, musicals, all also options. D all of the above. And it also means that the price for copies of the book could go down over time. It really depends. Yeah. I just hope that there's not some weird thing like their estate determines how you can use this character and how they can have their emotions a la Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's estate. With Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yeah. And the last bit of book news, actual news, is that while 2020 was a horrible year, it turns out that it made a great year for book sales. With people stuck at home, unable to do their normal activities, a lot of people got back into reading or reading more than usual or at least buying more books than usual so towards the end of the year print sales by units were up eight percent while ebook and audiobooks which have less of the market overall were also up and the chief executive of penguin random house for the u.s madeline mcintosh said i expect that at the end of the year when you look at the final numbers it will have been the best year in a very long time 
Well, it's good considering, like, we had all these fears of, like, bookstores closing and things like that. Like, I feel like a lot of the mom and pops still got really hurt. Yeah. It was mostly, like, the worlds of Barnes & Noble surviving this somehow. And I know that they were on the edge of extinction at the beginning of last year. And all of a sudden, somehow, they're doing fine now. Because well, people bought things. At least they're not near that point where they disappear forever. Right. But that's all the news news. I also have a list of January new releases because for some reason, before we took our break, I never went through the January new releases. Oh God, how did we not do that? I know you're being sarcastic, but like, really? (laughs) So the first two I'm going to discuss are ones that I had arcs for and that I've already read. Right. So the first is You Have a Match by Emma Lord. I read an arc of this last year. It comes out on January 12th. I rated it 3.75 stars. For a contemporary, for me, that's really high. Because, like we said last year, my contemporary rating goes up to, like, four stars and stops. Because I never think it deserves more. So, like, that's really good. Yeah. For me, at least. I was going to say, you have the tendency to literally just be like, oh, it's a contemporary. Mm, lower star rating. You're saying I'm rating. snooty? Yes, you don't like star (laughs) ratings of any quality for contemporary books, usually. Well, this one is very good. It is about a girl who decides to do a DNA test from one of those websites, and she doesn't think they're going to find anything. She's just doing it to support her friend who was adopted. Got it. And so they both do their test. The adopted person doesn't really find out anything, but this main character finds out all of a sudden that she's got a secret sister. Uh, I thought this was going to be like, secretly she was royalty. No. It's not that bad. And so they contrive a way to meet up at a summer camp that the other girl works at every year. And they get up to some hijinks at camp. They're trying to get to the bottom of this mystery of how they're related. And then there's also a little subplot of romance for her and one of her best friends. So it's pretty cute. I really liked it. Sounds good. As you know, I'm not a contemporary fan, so I'm not going to be like, woo. This is one I think would make a cute teenage movie. It's set at a summer camp, so it'd be a good, like, May or June movie to come out. Got it. And then the other one of the ones I've read is Shipped by Angie Hockman. Again, I read it last year. This one comes out on January 19th. I rated it 3.75 stars, so still really good for me. It's about a woman working at this cruise line in their advertising And she and someone else are up for a new position with the company. That would be a promotion for both of them. But the boss decides in order to determine who to give the job to, he would send them on their worst cruise, the one making the least amount of money, having the least amount of people going on it. So they travel to the Galapagos Islands and go on this cruise for a week to try to figure out why this cruise isn't selling and to come up with a pitch, and whoever does the best pitch gets the position. Have you read this book? Because I feel like we've talked about this before. We've read about, yes, I read this last year. Okay. I rated it 3.75 stars. Okay. 
and I really liked the hate to love romance. I liked the reason that they didn't like each other at first because it was something that you could understand how it would happen, but it's also something that you could get over in a decent amount of time without it being like, I can't believe he did that. And then she just let it go. Like it actually makes sense that it's a small thing, but it makes sense why she was upset at the time. And then you have the cruise itself, and that was really cute. I think I enjoyed that part the most out of the entire book. Yeah. But then when they got back, it was a lot of, like, political stuff with the job and, like, this stuff about a glass ceiling and her trying to smash the glass ceiling at this company where you have this really misogynistic guy as her boss and, like... I understand what it was trying to do, but when it's pitched as a romance and then you spend like a third of the time discussing this, it kind of pulls away. From the lovey-doveys? Yeah. And like, if it had talked about that a little bit more in the synopsis, I don't think it would have bothered me as much. But the fact is it was just sold as a straight romance and that's not what it really was. Right. But other books that are coming out that I haven't read yet. First, you have Lore by Alexandra Bracken. It's a standalone novel, according to Goodreads. Some people think it's going to become a series, but I don't see anything about that online. It comes out on the 5th, so two days before this episode comes out, this book comes out. And it's a sort of, it's not really a retelling, but it's like they take all the mythology stories that everyone knows really well and kind of turns them on their head. So basically, as a punishment for a previous rebellion, nine Greek gods are forced to walk the earth as mortals, and they're hunted by the descendants of ancient bloodlines that are all eager to kill a god and seize their divine power and immortality. It's kind of got Greek mythology retelling vibes, but then it also does something completely different with it, so that looks interesting. This is also an author I've read from before and enjoyed. But it's also an author that I read from before and didn't like and didn't continue a series for. So it's 50-50 on whether I'll get this one. Sounds like something that would be interesting for me to read. I, like, I don't know. I think you would like it, yeah. I, I like the synopsis of it. It sounds like it would be a good book. Yeah. Another one. This is a big author in a big series that I bring up because a lot of people love it. I read the first one, didn't continue on even though I liked the first one, because it's a set of novellas. And while I enjoyed the first one, I'm not huge on reading novellas. I always want more out of my books. But it's Across the Green Grass Fields by Seanan McGuire. It is book six in the Wayward Children series, and it comes out on January 12th. These are all technically standalone novellas, but it's all within the same world where as children, people find these portals to other worlds where it's perfect for them and their personality and it's everything that they could want. And then sometimes they end up getting sent back to their world. And the first book is about how they deal with coming back home to a world that isn't for them. And this one is about a land filled with centaurs and unicorns. And so it sounds like Basically what I would call a horse girl book. (laughs) Perfect for girls with horses. It's kind of off-putting a little bit. (laughs) Well, you're not a horse girl. No kidding. You don't say. And this next one is technically a prequel to The Hate You Give. It is called Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. It comes out on January 12th. It's about Star's father when he was still in the gangs and... 
still living this life that he kind of wanted to get out of, but hadn't yet. So I think this one's going to do really well. I think a lot of people are going to read it because he had such a good backstory in The Hate You Give that I think people are going to want to see it. But it's one of those that I'm like, was that a necessary story or is it a story that people just kind of wanted so you wrote it? Right. It depends on what comes out of it, I think, whether or not I'll want to pick it up after reviews come out about it. Looks like it's pretty well rated. When Goodreads a 4.32, that's pretty darn good. Well, those are early reviews, so no. it hasn't come out yet. It's coming out in less than 10 days. I usually wait until it's a few months later because then you don't just have early reviewers talking about it. You also have people who just buy it in the store. Right. And then one that I've heard nothing about from anyone, I just found it on Goodreads one day. It's The Effort by Claire Holroyden. It looks like it's going to be a standalone. It comes out on January 12th. It is a sci-fi story where NASA and the people who keep an eye on outer space suddenly find an almost six-mile-wide comet around Jupiter, and the people who are trying to figure out how to deal with this as it's coming closer to Earth. So it sounds like it's going to be very action-y, sci-fi. It sounds perfect for you, to be completely honest, but also good for me, because that sounds very up my alley. I, say, I can't really find any information about it anywhere, which, at least not on Goodreads, so. It's on Goodreads. I'm looking at it now. It has a 3.86 rating right now, but it's only got 14 ratings. Got so it. that doesn't tell you much of anything yet. There's yeah. not enough numbers coming out about it. But, I mean, it's less than 400 pages, standalone sci-fi, it looks like. So, like, it's not a huge commitment on your time. Yeah. Apparently, there's a giveaway for this book. <laughs> Hold on. Entering the giveaway. You know, I've never won a Goodreads giveaway. If it makes you feel any better, I entered to win uh, a Google Pixel package giveaway with Best Buy. And a guy in our store won who's OS. He doesn't even work for the company. He hasn't worked there for, like, two years. I was really sad. Like, how did this... MF will win. Hey, maybe he'll for our end district. up switching. Yeah, I was so upset. <laughs> anyway, back to books. Yeah. So, I don't know. That one looks good. And then one that I'm not at all interested in, because I read the first book and it was just okay, so I didn't want to keep going. But a lot of people are hyped up for. It's book four in the Graceling Realm series. Winter Keep by Kristen Kishore comes out on January 19th. And... I thought the series was over after three books, but she's done what a lot of other people have done, which is stretch stretch it out, grab another one. Yeah. Because the series technically ended with Bitter Blue in 2012. Got it. So it's like almost nine years later that this one came out or is coming out. Yeah. But it's set four years after Bitter Blue left off and a new land has been discovered to the east called Torla and Winter Keep is a land of miracles, a democratic republic run by people who like each other, where people speak to telepathic sea creatures, adopt telepathic foxes as pets, and fly across the sky in ships attached to balloons. Hmm. So very fantasy, whimsical is what it sounds like. But I've only read Graceling, so I don't know what's happened up to this point. Right. And the January release that I'm most excited about is Enjoy the View by Sarah Morgenthaler, which is the last book, the third book in the Moose Springs, Alaska series. It comes out on January 19th. 
You laugh every time I say the title of the series. Yes, the Moose Springs. Who and, doesn't love the mooses? Right. So basically, this is a set of contemporary romances set in Alaska that are all different couples from this town. And it usually involves a guy who lives in the town and some tourist who they meet and fall in love with. But I'm very excited for this one because Easton, who's been prominent in the first two books, gets his own romance in this one. And he's one of those, like, big, burly guys, very outdoorsy, and, like, he's gonna fall in love and be soft and cute. I'm very excited. Another book that I feel like the author's really stretching to continue this series that I know a lot of people are really excited about It's going to be The Mask Falling by Samantha Shannon. It's book four in the Bone Season series. Comes out on January 26th. And so I don't know what this is about. I read The Bone Season this past year. Didn't love it. Saw some things that I thought were red flags and put the book down. But this is a big series that I know a lot of people really like. The last book that came out came out in... 2017 I think it was Mm -hmm. yes and then there was a novella that came out in 2020 and then this book coming out in 2021 it's one of those things where I think it had a three book arc and then got extended it's a dystopian fantasy about basically anyone with any sort of fantastical psychological powers are hunted down and in this world you think that they're killed but instead they're sent to Oxford where these sort of overlords use you to their will and it had a lot of slavery vibes in my opinion so that's why I didn't continue but Hmm. a lot of people love this series so that's one to keep an eye out for if you are into it and another one that hopped on my radar is the last book in the curse breakers series with book three a vow so bold and deadly by Bridget Kemmerer it comes out on January 26th This is not a series I've ever gotten into, but it's basically a Beauty and the Beast retelling with some disability rep, is what I've heard about the first book. Okay. And the final one is coming out this month. When a final book comes out, I pretty much think that should be on my radar. Yeah, and then obviously all the previous generation of books as well, if you haven't read them yet. See, the thing is, I like Beauty and the Beast a lot, so I always worry about reading a retelling. Or watching them on television the same. Yeah. So I don't know. But that's all the new releases that I think you should keep an eye out for for January. Maybe not you in particular, (laughs) because I don't know if you'd like Moose Springs, Alaska as much as you like saying Moose Springs, Alaska. As much as I like saying Moose Springs. Yes. Because who wouldn't want to live in a town with a bunch of mooses? The moose caused problems in the books, just so you know. Well, the moose caused problems in real life, too, let's be honest, so... But as for what I've been reading, I won't go over everything I read in the past two weeks, because despite it being Christmas, that would be a large number of books. So this past week, I read three things. One's a book, one's a comic, one's a short story. So the book I read was Down Comes the Night by Allison Soft. It's a NetGalley arc for 2021 that I read. It comes out on March 2nd. I rated it 3.5 stars. This is what I would call a new adult fantasy gothic horror? Question mark? (sighs) 
because <laughs> there is a section of this book that happens in a mansion that part of it's run down and you can't go in it. And like the lord of the house is being all creepy and sneaky and suspicious, but so are the servants and like people are dying and getting sick and like it's very gothic, like horror-y. But then the rest of the novel is like a standard new adult fantasy. So it's like this weird mashup. Yeah. I enjoyed a lot of the aspects about this, particularly the characters, the setting, like that mansion was creepy and I loved it. And I loved a lot of the character development and the magic in the system, but the world building needed work, like a lot of work. Because there's like a centuries long war, this kingdom has been fighting this other kingdom, but like it doesn't go into how everything started or how it's still continuing. And like, I need that to understand why these characters are the way they are. Yeah. So like, for me that it's not a bad book. It's not even an okay book. It's a good book, but I could not give it more than 3.5 stars. Understandable. I still liked it. Yeah, so. anything above a three, I feel like, is a book that you're like, yeah, it was good, but yeah. there were some flaws. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I reread The Old Guard, book one, Opening Fire, by Greg Rucka and Leandro Fernandez. I rated it four stars. That's what I rated it last year when I read it for the first and second time. And we were doing that because we were also going to be watching the book to movie or comic book to movie adaptation, which we'll talk about later. But I just, I enjoy these characters and I enjoy the, like, lore and mythology and, like, stuff around specifically Andromache, the Scythian, but also the other characters and their own history. And I think the characters are what make this story. I was going to say, I really, like, because I obviously read this as well this week, really kind of enjoyed the way the character's relationship is shown a little bit more. Yeah. We won't go all the way into my depth on my opinions on that, but, like, I, I felt like the characters were just a lot of fun to watch them relate with one another. Right. And I like the hard edge that you got for Andromache or Andy because, like, she's still this woman who's, like, in charge of her own body and her own sexuality. But also she's got this rough side where, like, she has no Fs to give. Like, yeah. none at all. Yeah. And so... I've seen it all, I've done it all, and I do what I want. Right, yeah. exactly. And I love that about her because I'm 31 and I'm like, F it. So I can't imagine being almost 7,000 years old and being like, <laughs> F it. And watching all the mistakes as human beings have made over all the years. Right. Yeah. And so I really enjoy the comic. I ordered the second comic. So hopefully that'll be in before February. I can read it. But also yesterday, as I was preparing my notes for today, I saw that there was a short story in the Moose Springs, Alaska series between books two and three. Oh no. So you apparently, how do I explain this? So (laughs) there was a moose that was causing problems in book one. And so he got sent off away from the public so that he can live his moosey life without causing property damage and stuff. Right. And then in this short story that's like book 2.5, if you want to like place it somewhere in the series, that happens around Christmas and the main characters from book one who were really attached to this moose go and visit him and give him a Christmas bun to eat. And it's called A Christmas Bun for Ulysses by Sarah Morgenthaler. It's like a nine page short Christmas story. 
Was it supposed to be like a seasonal thing or what? It was just supposed to be a Christmassy thing for fans of the series and the fans of book one in particular. I did not rate this or mark this anywhere because it is literally nine pages long. Yeah. So I'm not going to put that into Goodreads, despite the fact that there is a page for it on Goodreads. It's it's so short of a short story that it doesn't count as a book. Why is it on Goodreads for a book? But like, I get it. It's there, obviously, because it exists. Right. And so it was cute to read. I think what I would recommend for anyone with this series, if they've not picked it up or they want to read it closer to the holidays is like read book one in like November. Right. Book two in like early December. And then the short story like around Christmas. And then book three whenever. No. Because that hasn't come out yet. But that's everything I read this past week. And this year... My goal is to only read two books a week, which sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't even get to one book a week. But I have this thing that happens when you pay a lot of attention to the book community online where nothing ever feels like enough. And it's a problem with the book community online. And like, I think a lot of people can agree with that. Where, like, no matter how much you read, you feel like you're doing worse than this booktuber or this bookstagrammer or whatever. So I want to hold myself to reading at most 100 books in the year so that I can actually take my time and enjoy what I'm reading. We'll see what actually happens. But in order to do that, I have to read, like, 1.8 books a week. So about two books a week. So for the two books that I plan on reading this next week... The first one is Kisses and Croissants by Anne-Sophie Johano. It's a NetGalley arc that publishes on April 6th. I had planned on reading this during our break, but that got subbed out for Down Comes the Night. Okay. Because I was more in a fantasy mood than a contemporary mood, and I want to allow myself the permission to read what I feel like reading. Yeah. But... Kisses and Croissants is about a girl who gets into a prestigious ballet program in Paris for six weeks over the summer and how she tries to deal with that on top of this fledgling romance with this Parisian boy that she meets. But it's less than 400 pages so that shouldn't take me too long. And then I am most excited to read this next book, which is Vicious by V.E. Schwab, because I'm making you read Vicious, so I'm going to read it. Well, spoiler much. Jeez. I was going to save that one for a little bit, but... (laughs) But it's a reread for me. I love this book. It's about Victor and Eli, who are roommates in college, and they work together to discover what can possibly create what they call extraordinaries, or EOs. And they do a lot of experimentation on each other to try to become extraordinaries. And things get bad for their relationship and all of a sudden they're enemies. I was gonna say, you should really slow your roll because you're like, here, let me dump some more spoilers on you a little bit. Like, obviously I'm... I mean, that's what it says on the back of the book. Yeah. So, it, I'm not giving away anything the synopsis doesn't give away. <laughs> I haven't read the synopsis though. <laughs> I try to avoid... Those things, because I would like the the true surprise. I guess I'm one of those readers where it's just like, okay, so what category is it? Okay, it's this thing. Cool. I'll probably like it. Let me just read it and experience it from, like, fresh to end. I'm, I don't like what to be spoiled. What is a more vague way to explain Vicious? It's about superpowers without being a superhero book. Great. All right. 
<laughs> morally great characters. It's yeah, like, that, that seems to be the overall uh, summary I'm getting from both you and Fullen, who's one of my other book nerdy friends, who's like, yeah. it's so dark, you're going to love it. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. It's so. very action-y, which is why I think you'll like it. There's no like big romance in it, so I think that'll help you enjoy it. And yeah. the chapters are pretty short, so if you can only read like one I, or two I've chapters, I've noticed. then you can knock that out real yeah. quick. And that's all I'll say about that. Perfect. And you've been reading the Old Guard book one, Opening Fire, by Greg Rucka and Leandro Fernandez. Go figure, since I already was making comments about what I enjoyed about it. (laughs) Yes. So for you, well, I guess for me too, when it came out in July, we watched it. And then I was like, I need to get my hands on this comic now. Yeah. So we had the experience of doing the movie first and then the comic afterwards, which is usually backwards for us from what we normally do. Which may have set us up for failures and or successes on enjoying the comic. But as it turns out, wrong. The comic is great. Yeah. For me personally, I enjoyed a lot of the background information that you get from the comics and you don't get from the movie. Yeah. However, I still like the movie more than the comic. Yeah. And I don't feel like you feel the same way. I still like them both. Again... I don't know, movie and book adaptations are always very hit and or miss. Right. And I feel like with the movie, it did what it needed to do for people that haven't read the comic. Yes. Yeah. And that was 100% its point. It literally took plot line points completely out of the way that they are in the, the comic. Well, there is a lot of stuff dealing with Andromache and her past that doesn't get discussed in the movie. Specifically, her relationship with a man who was originally a slave in America gets shipped off to London and then shipped off to Australia and then basically just hightails it and runs away. Yeah. And so, like, that takes away from the storyline about, like, slaves and the treatment of black people all over the world, not just in America. And like, it takes away from that major point. Yeah. And it kind of narrows the whole plot down a little bit more in the movie. On top of that too. And I think that was my biggest problem with the movie was just where everything kind of lined up story-wise. Like you do get more information from a book always. That's just the way it's going to be comic book or otherwise you're going to have all the information. And I think that's what I liked about the comic so much was that, like, you got the kind of backstory prequel-ish, like, facts that you don't see in the movie really necessarily, like you were saying. Like, you don't really see any of the character development, I guess. It's very much like in the movie, it just rushes you right into it. It's just like, here you are. Yeah. These are the characters. They're invincible. They're not dying. Great. Here we are. On our way. I understand its purpose in the movie because obviously it would be an eternity long if they try to do all the prequel stuff but at the same time i like that stuff so i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to those things i think it does a good job of telling the story and keeping a lot of the same themes and ideas like found family and doing for the greater good and like especially this idea that andromache is so old and so sick of it and just tired of it without losing any major themes or elements i feel like the things that i thought were missing are kind of like getting into the weeds a little bit i feel because you're picking up characters or losing characters that 
have more to do with backstory than anything else. Yeah. And the reason that they're there in the comic or in the movie have the same purpose. Yeah. So, like, while it changed out a couple, like, storylines for characters you never really see too much, it doesn't take away what they were there for. Yeah. I think what... The one thing that really bothered me the most was the handling of Niles' storyline in the movie. And just the fact that she meets... Um, God, I'm blanking on their names and I feel awful about it. Not Brooke, not Andy, the other two guys. What are, I'm blanking on their name right now. Joe and... Nikki. Nikki. God, how do I forget Nikki? That's like my brother's name. Um, so yeah, sorry, Nick. I don't know your name very well and it's just clicking in my head. But like the way she met them in the movie was pre them being nabbed. And that's not what happens in the book. Yeah. In in the book, she's so willing to go fight for them already, even though she's never even met them. And I think that's the weird thing for me. Like, So you think it's to the detriment of Niall's character that she meets them and then decides to go protect them versus never meeting them and deciding to do it anyway? Well, no, it, it's almost like kind of opposite. So like in the movie, she meets them and then at first is like, nah, I'm good. Like she sits it out originally. And obviously she eventually makes up her mind in the movie and goes and rescues everybody. But in the book, She's like, gun hell, like, let's go get them. If they're like us, let's do it. I you think know? the writer decided to try to make that more realistic because yeah. there are not a lot of people in the world who are going to find out that they're suddenly immortal and then go, yeah, forget my friends, forget my family, I'll fight for these guys. Like, it's, right. it's more realistic in the movie, I think, for her to have reservations about joining this quote-unquote army of five people. Oh, without a doubt, it, it makes more sense. And I, again, that... that that's the interpretation to appeal to the masses right. more so than what the director's original or like the writer's original content content was, mm-hmm. character development was, so on and so forth. I feel like if you had to put movie Nile versus book Nile, book Nile whoops movie Nile's butt every day of the week. I just, I struggle with this idea that in order to be a strong person, you're never allowed to have questions. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying that i just feel like as somebody who grew up in a marine town and like she's an infantry marine around a bunch of infantry marines in san diego and i have a lot of friends that have served actively that were infantry in the marine corps the adaptation of her in the book is more accurate than one would be in the movie side of it i guess like just based on the personalities of female and male infantry marines that i know so i I think there is a broader... I haven't served alongside these people. You were in the military, so, like, your understanding of it probably is better than mine. My understanding of people in the military is they're just as strange and just as weird as people who are not in the military. Yeah, day to day. I would not brush them with the same brush just because they're in the army or the marines. So I think you have to accept that Niall, in the movie at least can be a person who, while being tough, while being strong, can still have questions and want to have some idea of what her life would look like losing her family. Right. One thing that they did really well, I thought, was the relationship stuff. While it ignored some of the jabs that I thought were hilarious in the comic, like when 
Andy makes a comment about the French army and Booker goes, I was in the French army. And she's like, we forgive you. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like mouthy stuff that doesn't get included in the movie. While that's still not there, you still see this found family. Everyone loves each other, even if they think you're a little piece of crap. Yeah. And I especially love the relationship between Nikki and Joe. Like they are goals. I love them so much. You have that family brotherly like dig style relationship with one another. But then you also the Nikki and Joe relationship is it's good in both. I think adaptations of the book, comic book. I think you just see it more clearly in the movie. Yeah. The love that they have for each other. And part of that script, part of that's acting, but I just thought their relationship was like chef's kiss. My favorite scene in the movie and in the book is when they get out of the armored vehicle and everybody's unconscious inside the vehicle and they're like Or dead. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, a jet (laughs) (laughs) There's a TV. Is there champagne? Yeah. Yeah, That was cute. It it is the best scene. Really from both. I I would expand that actually to include when Joe wakes up in the armored truck with all the people around him and he's trying to check to make sure that Nikki's okay and they're telling him to stop and he's like, I have to make sure he's okay. And the other guy's like, is this your boyfriend? He's like, you're an infant. Yeah. Your mocking is infantile and goes into like this big flowery romantic speech. And then he's just like, you incurable romantic. Yeah. And like they kept that word for word from the comic yeah i'm like yes perfect i I will say the infant thing is like it can be taken two different ways obviously he's been on the earth a whole heck of a lot less than the two of them have been on the earth well and that's i think that's the main point he's trying to make right and he's like and secondly like you've never loved like this love will ever be on the earth right you know and obviously that's going to be the case because hundreds of years of relationship versus Whatever you have with your significant other right. when you're it's not like, being a bodyguard. It's like this big microscopic level comparison. Yeah. So like the, it was it was very well written, that's for sure. I also think that the action scenes and stuff for me were more clear in the movie versus the comic. And I think that might just have to do with like the art style. Yeah. More so than like the mediums. I can see how it was a little harder to read in the book than it is in the movie itself. The just the action scenes in the comic, there's so much going on it almost gets muddy at a right. certain point. And I don't like describing that about comics because I love comics as you know. So yeah. it it was good. Like for somebody like me who's read comics over the years, it wasn't so muddy that I didn't understand what was going on, but I could fathom if somebody was picking it up for the first time, they'd be like What's going on? Right. And I almost never read comics. I think I read one comic last year that wasn't The Old Guard. Yeah. And then The Old Guard, and that was it. And I've read two graphic novels, and otherwise that's not how I prefer my stories. So I think my inexperience in there also muddies it a little bit more there. Yeah. And it's definitely hard track. Like, obviously you're like, oh, they're killing everybody. Great. Like, that's easy to pick up. But it's just like, what else is going on in the background? Like, you really, in the comic, have to focus to see some of the more minute details of things that are happening. Because there are other things happening in those 
blocks of comic. Right, right. And if you don't pay attention, you, you're you not missing something important necessarily, but you could be missing something that kind of can be tied in a little bit later from time to time. But I don't know. I really enjoyed it just because, again, comic nerd, not hard for me to be like read past the basic front of the face stuff because I've read worse. But it was enjoyable. I actually enjoyed it a lot. So The one thing that I think was changed a lot was Merrick, the character of Merrick. He is a very different kind of a-hole between book and movie. And they picked the right guy to do the movie, I feel like. Cause, oh, like, nailed it. I love that. Anytime I see an ex-Harry Potter character or something, say. I'm like, hey, I know you. Who did he play again? He was deadly. Oh, okay. He's lost some weight and kind of picked no up a little kidding. bit of muscle. Yeah. But in the comic, it's more of the guy who's like shredded, has that douchey haircut and like is just this a-hole like just you look at him and you know he's an a-hole whereas this guy you could look at him and be like he might be all right he's just a rich nerd he's just a regular guy yeah but this guy's like rich and an a-hole on top of that so that's like twice the a-hole well i would argue that merrick in the movie is also an a-hole but (laughs) he doesn't come across maybe as you said douchey as the one in the comic but i would say Personality-wise, the two of them pretty much nail it on the head that they're both a-holes, as you described. They're rich guys who use their money to try to get them more money. Yeah. And all of that. But there was one moment in the comic where I thought this guy's absolutely psychotic. And not like billionaire psychotic, just like absolutely definition of psychotic. Right. And it's when Nikki and Joe first arrive at the big pharma building and he's talking to them and doing that big evil guy speech about what he wants to do with them and all this other stuff. And he just takes a knife, starts stabbing the crap. Out of his neck. Out of Joe. And like, not just his neck, in the comic he's like stabbing him in the chest and the back and like all, like a couple of pages worth of stabbing this guy. (laughs) Where everyone's just looking at him and going, oh my god. They did that in the movie, but it was like five or six stabs. It was far less brutal. Far uh, less brutal. uh, I would argue that. They They were faster, I will say. It wasn't like there was a pause between them. It was like five or six quick, swift stabs in the neck and shoulder area. But either way, it's not good. Like, he was still pretty savage at the same time. I gotta say, I felt like it was way more toned down in the movie than it was in the book. It, It was still bad. I don't know. I agree. I think it was worse in the comic. But at the same time... The movie version wasn't all lighthearted and bubbly by any means either. It was still pretty savage. But in general, I thought Merrick was more like, how do I say it? Like hyper-masculine in the comic. Oh, without a doubt. Versus the movie, which is just like a regular guy. He's a crazy billionaire, basically. Uh, right. And yeah. it just it added a level of just like dislike for Merrick that he was just like, toxic masculinity at its peak for well, me again i think that's what the writer was going for right right but that's just the difference in his character yeah and then i think the one thing that kind of threw me for a spin after reading the comic having seen the movie first was the locale of some of the places was a little bit different i mean some of it's out of order but not not a lot of the locations are different well merrick's headquarters is in london versus in saudi arabia so like that's 
kind of the other side of the world as well. Technically, so was Copley's house. Copley's house was also in Saudi Arabia, not in London. So everything was roughly in the same area, I guess. So like technically Merrick's headquarters and Copley's home was both in England. So They're like, still close to each other to make yeah. the timeline work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that threw me for a little bit of a spin. But obviously, like, it really doesn't make that big of a difference where it's located as long as the story plotline roughly runs the same. And it did. So. You also have the fact that Niall picks up on the deceit faster in the comic than she did in the movie. Yeah. You could kind of tell that she was already not trusting Book before Book did what he did. He did. Yeah. She kind of had this suspicion of him the entire time. Which I think, again, kind of made Niall a different character. But it could just be the I'm a Marine and I don't trust anybody but Marine thing that Marines have sometimes. So uh, I love you guys, all my friends that are Marines, I promise. And if you've served in the Marines, I'm not taking away anything that you've done or your lack of trust. Because I trust you. I would trust you with my own life. but They just wouldn't trust you. Right. You wouldn't <laughs> trust me to have your back, I imagine. So. Well, I mean... I think she's a better developed character in the movie than in the comics. But I also see how parts of her can get stripped away to make her a more rounded character in the movie. Yeah. But I could seriously watch this movie like every day for the rest of my life. I love them so much. I don't know that I would go out quite on that limb, but I definitely could rewatch it. It's a very rewatchable movie. And I think the thing that makes this like a top tier movie for me is first of all the action yeah second of all the found family because i'm a sucker for found family tropes you don't say yeah i do say (laughs) and then third i think they do a really good job with all the cgi stuff yeah and like it's a lot easier i feel like to like do it in a comic book versus doing it in a movie and that's something they had to work on no argument there but I'm very curious to see how that thing works out with Quinn from the end of this movie. It still hasn't been greenlit for a second movie, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I'm not happy about that, that it's not greenlit. I know that Netflix has announced multiple times that they are going to be spending less money on new content right off the bat. So, like, they they want to do more of their own stuff but in moderation, I think, is what they're trying to control it and add a lot of TV shows that people like, like Friends and things like that in the future. Obviously, both of the Friends in the Office are gone right now, but... Here's the thing. I would rather go without Friends in the Office and get a second The Old Guard movie than to have those to watch. But understand that it is a professional-grade movie. Like, yes. It is something that, if they wanted to, they could release in theaters and make bank on, so... Maybe that's what they're thinking about doing. I don't know. They Obviously, they haven't greenlit, so nothing is happening for right, right now. Right. I know that Rucka has said that he's willing to write the screenplay as soon as it's greenlit. And he goes, I might even just start doing it for the fun of it. Just yeah. to see, you know, if that motivates Netflix. So Well, and there's enough material to do three movies total. Correct. I don't know why we're not doing it, like, immediately. Because the fandom on the internet for the old guard is huge and there's new fan creations all the time and people are very active in the fandom but how long is that going to last when you don't greenlit or you don't green light something right um netflix sounds like if they even greenlit it 
this year it wouldn't be until late 2022 that we'd be receiving it so i will just continue to just be on the edge here waiting for the answer but in the meantime i'm going to read the comic when i get it in the next couple of weeks yeah so i probably will not because there'll be a million other things in front of my face so but again movie adaptation good book great i'm just ready for vicious at this point so i started reading it and next week we'll talk about that i'm very excited yeah if not for your reaction then just to be able to reread it myself yeah because i i loved vicious but i think that's going to be everything from us our first episode for the books is going to be a little short yeah we we didn't have too much to go on about so obviously being a comic book in a shorter movie there's really not a lot to go on right right Um, but but make sure you guys stay in contact with us on all our social media which will be linked in the show notes yeah we promise we're being more active on this we literally have a calendar book worth of stuff planned so So, yeah we're excited to uh share that with you guys over the next upcoming months and we'll catch you next week for a sports episode sadly bye guys (laughs) bye